Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times bestselling author and pastor of Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. Be encouraged as Pastor Rick illustrates how God will use your painful moments to prepare you for the purpose he has for your life. We're going to get into life and legacy, okay. and I want to know yeah. some things. Uh, it, it, is, it is not a secret that you're transitioning I'm your church. I'm in a transition right now. And you're, yeah. you know, doing new things. Yeah. Uh, FTT is right. your new project, mm-hmm. and we've talked about that on this broadcast before. Yeah. But uh, so life and legacy, you have impacted mm. Lori and me many times. Mm. If you knew how many times... I think about you in the morning and at night. Why? Because you sat across from me and you said, FW, uh, GWFW, exactly. and GWLW. Right. Okay. What is that? God's, God's words, word, first, first word, word God's, God's word, word, last, last word. word. Exactly. I think about that yeah. virtually every morning and every yeah. night. Yeah. Okay. I also think about the yeah. one of the times you sat across from us and described life as two railroad tracks. Yeah not a series of ups and downs. Because when you were hearing that your book was selling millions of copies, Mm -hmm. you were also nursing your wife through cancer. Right. Two railroad tracks, good and bad. Get them both at the same time. That is a life-changing concept. If Mm -hmm. you'll let God choose. Well, if you you have to have everything perfect to be happy, you're never going to be happy. There it is. We have to learn to be happy while life comes at us both at the same time. And it's what I choose, what you just said, Matt, it's what I choose to look at, okay? I I can focus on the glass half full or half empty. I can focus on my problems or I can focus on Christ who is the problem solver. And um, that that whole issue of uh, learning through suffering and learning through pain, uh, I, I've learned nothing through success. Wow. Yeah. Everything I've learned, I've learned through pain. My goodness. Um, and so it, it's like when you eat food, if you only ate sweet, it'd get pretty sickening. Mm. Mm. There's sweet and sour, there's salty, there's fatty, there's umami, there's savory, there's all these different flavors. And Learning to eat, for instance, sourdough bread, not just Cinnabon, that's an acquired taste. Everybody likes sweet. But sourdough's good. Yeah. Okay? It's good. And there are sour things in life. There are bitter things in life that actually end up when they're mixed in the Romans 8:28 batter mm. of all things work together. Mm. It's like if you're baking a cake, raw egg by itself tastes terrible. Salt by itself tastes terrible. Butter by itself doesn't taste good. Sugar, flour, dry flour, none of those things by themselves taste good. But if all things work together in the batter, I don't even have to bake it. I like the batter, mm. okay? It's when it's mixed together. Mm. And, and the most flavorable things do have 
hot and sweet and sour and bitter and all these things together. That's what life's supposed to be. And that came when you were experiencing great success with your book, Purpose Driven, and you were helping your wife through a season of her life. Yeah, I didn't know she was going to live. I was holding a bedpan every day as she threw up. And the last thing I was thinking of is, wow, this book sold 15 million copies the first year. My goodness. You know, it was just, I'm thinking, is my wife going to make it? And I have had every... I can probably say every mountaintop type experience high in my life, there were always there was always something else going on at the same time. Uh, Satan makes sure of that, yeah. but God uses it for good. Yeah. yeah, we were told that the scripture that says, "I can do all things uh-huh. through Christ who strengthens me," uh-huh. that the word "things" mm-hmm. might be better mm-hmm. uh, said in English mm. as seasons. Mm. Can well, you verify that or can I, I you... don't know that exact word, but I do know the principle is absolutely true. Okay. Absolutely. Life is seasonal. In fact, God says, as long as the earth exists, as in Genesis, there will be springtime and harvest, winter and summer, fall and, and spring. God is a seasonal God, and everything is seasonal. And that's why we've been we've been going through a season in the last two years. Yeah. You guys. Uh, 2020, 2021 were both years that uh, we were in limbo and we've been in a season and there's a right time. Ecclesiastes 8.6 says there's a right time and a right way to do everything, but we know so little. So you and I, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a basketball standard out behind the the building here. You and I are not going to dunk. Yeah. Okay. That's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. So the scripture, I can do all things. Yeah. Even if we wanted to believe we could dunk, we right. can't, okay? Right. Right. Even if I thought I could paint or yeah. sing right. or right. do something like that, it right. just, okay. You're selling yourself short. All right. <laughs> but the point is the scripture, if it says I can do all seasons, yeah. now that scripture applies to everyone at all times. Right. I can do all right. seasons, right. good and bad. Well, I, I think what that, uh, verse actually is referring to is I can handle it all. There it is. Okay, I can handle all things through Christ who strengthens me. Certainly, it is a myth. The world says you can be anything you want to be. That's just not true. Right. I will never be a metropolitan singer. Right. You know, I don't have those gifts. I can be whatever God has shaped me to be. There it is. Yeah. Okay, now, for instance, in Purpose Driven Life book, we talk about S-H-A-P-E, the five things that shape you, your spiritual gifts, what am I gifted to do, your heart, what do I love to do, that's my passion, your abilities, you may be naturally good at math, some of us are terrible at math, okay, or you're good with words, you're good with mechanics, or you're good with sport, or you're terrible in coordination, but you're good at uh, organizing things, Mm. so those are abilities. The difference between abilities and gifts, spiritual abilities you get at birth, gifts you get at new birth, Mm. okay? Those are new birth. Mm. We often think that, uh, for instance, I've heard many people say that music is a spiritual gift. It's not, it's actually an ability because if you're good at music, you were given that at birth by God. The abilities are just as spiritual as the spiritual gifts Mm. because they come from God. It's just one of them you got when you were born and the other got when you were reborn, when you're born again. So spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality. 
We all have different personalities. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. They always marry each other. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, when, before you get married, opposites attract. Yeah. After you get married, opposites attack. Okay. <laughs> and all the things that you thought were so cute about your spouse. Because, that is so cute. She's just so different from me. I love that. I love that. Six months into the marriage, you're gone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Could you be a little bit more like me? Okay. And, and it starts to irritate you. The very things that attracted you actually starts to irritate. And then spiritual gifts, abilities, personality, and then experiences. And there are vocational experiences, the jobs you've had, family experiences, spiritual experiences, quiet times in church, revivals, camps, retreats, uh, but most of all, painful experiences. So I want uh, to get into this, but I want to read the question that you walked in and handed me. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to read it. I don't ever do this. Okay. Okay. This is a very special thing I'm doing I, for you, Dr. He's obeying. Yeah. He never, he rarely obeys. He's <laughs> obeying. Uh, I was going to even paraphrase him, but I'm just going to read it because it's your writing and I taught you to preach. You did. And, all right. <laughs> so it's fair. Story. How does a leader lead with vision in times when everything is uncertain and constantly changing? You're talking about 2020, 2021. Look, we're ready for something new in right. 2022 right. here. Right. And so. Right. How do we do this? I wrote that question down because I was asked it three times this week by different pastors. My goodness. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, you know what? Let's scratch where people are, are itching. Yeah. We have been in a time of great uncertainty for two years, 2020, 2021. In many ways, we've been in limbo. You know, uh, we, we just couldn't get on. We couldn't get out. Every time we thought it looks like the COVID's going down, we'd have another flare up and stuff like that. And a lot of pastors and a lot of ministry leaders have asked me, um, well, a lot of them have been discouraged. Sure. And I've talked so many pastors out of quitting in the last two years uh, as a pastor to pastor, and they, they'll call me on this. And, and I said, you know what? Some, there is a time for vision, and there's a time to not have a vision. Wow. The, the Bible says in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time and purpose for everything. You know, time to cry, time to dance and mourn, time to celebrate. Well, there's a time to share vision and there's a time to not share vision. During the past two years, it has not been a time to share vision because you need to focus on the hurts of the people mm -hmm. themselves. People right now are burnt out. If you have a car battery and you attach one light bulb to it, it'll last a long time. If you attach two light bulbs to it, it burn out in half the time. Four light bulbs, it dies in a quarter of the time. You don't have one light bulb draining you. You have multiple things in your life that are going on. And with chronic stress and chronic trauma, which this pandemic and all the other things related to it have happened, people don't realize that if they get up in the morning, they've had a good night's sleep, and two hours into the day, they're going, man, I'm exhausted. Welcome to the human race. Wow. That's the way everybody feels right now. There is not a person listening to us on TBN right now that has the same amount of energy they had two years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's just the nature of trauma. It's the nature of chronic stress and chronic change. People are up to here in change. Yeah. Okay. So in a time of uncertainty, we're not in a time of stability. Things are changing rapidly all the time. First place, uh, let me just say a word about vision. Vision is a responsibility of leader. 
The first rule, uh, first job of a leader is to clarify and communicate the vision of the organization, the family, the ministry, the business, the church. That's the first job of leadership, communicate and clarify the vision. But timing is as important in vision as having the vision. A prematurely shared vision will be stillborn. A premature vision can, can die really quickly. I could give you examples from 42 years in my own life of where I shared something too soon Wow, and and it 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 died quickly. The time there are actually three parts to when God gives you a vision. There's the what, and there's the how, and there's the when. Okay, all three parts. You have to wait for all three parts of the vision. So if someone's listening right now and they're going, "What's God's vision for my family?" What's God's vision for my business? What's God's vision for my church? What's God's vision for my ministry? Um, God always gives it in three parts. First, he tells you what he's going to do. Okay, And that's the fun part. We get the, oh, here's what I'm going to do in your life. Then we run out and try to accomplish it any way we think is best. Mm -hmm. And we fall flat on our faces. Mm -hmm. And we come back and we say, "Uh, God, did I miss the vision? He goes, no. I gave, it was right. You just didn't wait for part two. Mm. And that's how <laughs> you're, I'm going to fulfill the vision. And how God fulfills a vision is never the way I thought. Never. Wow. <laughs> it's never, never, ever the way that I thought he was going to do it. So God will give you a vision. Uh, you, got a, you get a movie project. Yeah. And you think, this is what God's vision is for. And then we go out and we try to do it. But God's going, wait, wait a minute. Wait for part two. Mm. I'm going to do it how. Yeah. Wow. is the difference. And then finally, you have to wait for the most important part, and that's the when, and that's the timing. God's timing is perfect. He's never too early. He's never too oh late. Goodness. For the last two years, 2020, 2021, we have been in God's waiting room. Yeah. We've been, the whole church yeah. and the whole world. It's almost like, you know, when your kids are younger and you say, okay, everybody's got a bad attitude. Go to your room. <laughs> Everybody take a time out. It's like God said, okay, world, your attitude sucks. Go to your room. Yeah. Right. Take a time out yeah. and, and take a time out. Now, when we come back together, when this thing goes down and when the things actually, uh, God does not want us to simply resume the old ways we did it. Mm-hmm. This is a chance for a reset. Got it. This is a chance for a reboot. God doesn't say, let's just go back to do it the way we, we, we used to do it. Mm-hmm. Every church would be, should be saying, okay, what is it we used to do? And then we stop doing, but we really shouldn't start back up again. Okay. We need to stop because God wants to do it. Behold, I do a new thing. Yeah. Okay. As, as Isaiah says. No old wine in the new wine. Exactly. Skin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't put new wine in old wine skits. And so there, there are new systems. There are new uh, programs. There are new ministries. Um, studies have shown that about 60% of the people who got laid off don't want to go back to their old job. Mm-hmm. Fine. This is an opportunity for you to get a reset in your life uh, in that way. To get a new job. To get a new job, exactly. And to go after uh, a, a dream that, that you haven't, you've been afraid yeah. to go after. Three things. Uh, one, uh, we don't say sucks on TBN. Ah! Okay? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's one thing. Two. You know, edit that. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. just say. <clears throat> only it, when you really feel it. Second yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. is the wineskin thing. That's yeah. the example of how I taught you to preach. That, oh, okay? thank you. That's, thank that's you. another that's example. That's why you brought that up. Yeah. Third thing, uh, we're talking about life and legacy. And I love the idea here uh -huh. mm -hmm. that, first of all, you're addressing mm -hmm. the things that you're hearing mm -hmm. this week mm -hmm. in regard to kind of the, the strategy of, of right. what people are thinking and feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And you're being super practical, mm -hmm. okay? You kind of know how to do this. You're kind of good at this, okay? So yeah. I'm gonna read your second question. Well, let me, let me just follow are you, up Are you on not that. done with the... No, okay. I wanna follow up on All that right. because when these pastors have called me and they say, my people are worn out. Yeah. I can't even predict what's gonna happen next month, much less, how do I have a vision for next year mm -hmm. or a vision for the next six months? Or Well, first place, the more uncertain uh, you, uh, the times are, the shorter your vision should be. That's an important thing. Okay. Uh, I went back and I thought over 42 years of being at Saddleback, I've probably made 50 different vision statements. Some of those visions were for only a month. Here's what we're gonna get done this month. Got it. Sometimes it'll be three months. Sometimes it'd be an annual vision. Nine different times over the years, we've had a three-year vision that we've done. We've had a decadal vision, a 10-year vision, four times over the four decades. And actually I had, I announced in the first service of the church, a 40-year vision. So vision can be all different sizes and shapes. But when people are hurting like they are right now, that is not the time for vision. What I'm recommending to leaders of ministries and pastors and church leaders to do is right now focus on two things pastoral care for people in pain and building relationships. Pastoral care for people who are in pain and building relationships. You build the relationships now with the people who will later support the vision when, you, when it's time to share the vision. Yeah. You're building the connection. Uh, the other day, I spent six hours on the phone calling sick members. Mm. People think, oh, Rick Warren does that? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do pastoral care. I, I, I visit in the hospitals, I, I still do funerals, and uh, I, I call people, and what am I doing? I'm building relational credits. When you are there in people's tough times, they'll be there for you when you're ready to share a vision. Yeah. This is not the time, this is the time to, to show love. And what the church should be saying right now is not come to our big vision, come to our big vision. They should be saying love and care, love and care, love and care. Can and I? Through the day. Huh? Getting through getting the day. Through the day. Exactly. That make that your vision. Exactly. <laughs> get, get through the day. Yeah. Congratulations, you made it through another yeah. day. Do you mind if I ask you a hard question? Sure. Okay, hard question. Rick, you're not normal. <laughs> okay, you have tens of thousands of members. Yeah. You have this incredible campus. You yeah. have decades in the pulpit. Yeah. And how do you help the pastor with 100 people, the yeah. 200 people? Yeah. How do you reset your brain? I mean, yeah. you must have a really good memory because yeah. your issues are yeah. not normal issues to yeah. the average pastor. Yeah. Do you, you recognize that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't, I still remember what it was like to have 25 people. Right. Uh, nobody has started smaller than I did because I had K. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can't start a church smaller than one member. Yeah. So I remember when we had 75. I remember when we had 90. I, I, I remember the 13 years we went without a building. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And using 79 different facilities. Um, but here's the thing. As I, I always point out, no correlation between size and strength in a church. You know, Matt, when you get on a plane, the, they give the pilot a roster who, of who's on that plane, and they still use the word souls. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, there are 42 souls on this plane. There are 328 souls on this plane. There are 18 souls on this plane. That is the roster that the, that the pilot gets. The pilot who is piloting eight souls, is he any less hmm. uh, responsible than a guy carrying 300? Yeah. No. He has just as big a responsibility to safely deliver the souls in his care to the destination. So as a pastor, whether I've got 50 or 500, it doesn't really matter. They're souls. They're precious to God. And so I have to care about each of those people individually. The bottom line is, no matter what the church is, you have to be a lover. Hmm. You have to love, hmm. okay? If I have not love, I'm a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. During this time, we focus on loving, building relationships, caring for needs. Now, it doesn't mean we don't care about the world, but it does mean that we pay attention to their hurts. That's what I'm saying. In your 42 years at Saddleback, yeah. you've baptized 53,000 new believers. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What is the most effective way to witness in today's world? The two most effective forms of witnessing today are what I call apology evangelism and how we handle pain. These are the two biggest witnesses. We, we live in a world where uh, the church has done so many wrong things that we've lost a hearing. If people like what they see, they'll listen to what we say. Now the first problem is that everybody knows this instance. There's somebody in your life who's not a believer and you've known them for 15 years and you still never talked to them about the Lord. Now you don't know how to bring it up yeah. because wow. it's like I'm embarrassed to, to, to bring it up. And maybe you've lived next to somebody for a long time. In that situation, you start with an apology and you do it this way. Like if Matt, you live next to me and you weren't a believer and I came over and I said, uh, you know, Matt, I, I need to apologize to you. And you go, what? You, oh, I'm just, I'm embarrassed, but I need to apologize to you. So what? Well, I have never told you about the most important thing in my life because I thought you'd think less of me. And I, I'm sorry. I mean, I should have known. We're good enough friends that you'd be able to handle what's most important to me. And I'm sorry because I didn't, I didn't think enough of you to think, well, he's not gonna think I'm nuts or something. 
And, and now he's, you know, they're waiting. What, what have you not told me about yourself? And so you're creating a thirst through apology. Well, you know, Matt, um, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My goodness. I've never told you about it. I'm sorry, okay? It's the most important thing in my life. And I consider you one of my dear friends. Would you please forgive me? And the guy goes, well, well yeah. I said, I just thought you'd think I was a kook or a nut or, 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 or something, and I've never talked to you about it. And, and so that opens the door. The way you, you share a witness with somebody who's been in your life long past when you should have talked to him about the Lord. Okay, is start with an apology. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. The other one is I really think that our greatest, greatest witness in the world is how we handle pain, how we show publicly how we handle pain. I learned this, of course, through Matthew's death. My son who took his life after 27 years of uh, mental illness. There's a guy down the street, down my street, who I've tried to talk to about the Lord for a couple decades. And he was just cold, uninterested, resistance, barriers up and stuff like that. But when Matthew died, and of course it was in all of the papers and the CNN and stuff and I remember driving down, and he was out driving down the road in front of his house. He was out watering his lawn, and he looked up at me, and he saw me, and he goes like this. And he broke. And I thought, that's the first crack I've ever seen in his Mr. Perfect life. Okay, and it is in pain, because pain is the great unifier. Now, there's a biblical basis for what I'm, I'm saying right now. It's the parable of uh, the soils, the sower and the seed. Jesus tells this story, and this parable is so important. It's multiple times in Scripture. It's not just in one book. It's here, it's here, and it's here. And, and so anytime a story by Jesus gets told multiple times, it's really important. Now, Jesus says the farmer goes out to sow seed. The seed represents the word of God. You know, we're the sower. And the soil represents four kinds of hearts. Now, there's the hard soil, which represents the hard heart, resistant to the gospel. And it, the seed never even penetrates. There's the, uh, the, the rocky soil, which is shallow. And it, it receives it emotionally for a little bit, but it flames out and doesn't, doesn't last, no, no fruit. Okay, that's the shallow soil. Then there's the soil with weeds, which represents the preoccupied or the busy heart. Like, yeah, the soil, the seed gets planted, but my business and my job and my, you know, my sports life and all of the cares of the world choke out the, the gospel. And then there is the good soil that when the seed goes, it, it bears great fruit. Now, if that is true, and of course it is, because Jesus told it, that means that only one out of every four people you talk to is open to the gospel. Okay, that right now in the world, at any given point in time, only 25% of the world is receptive. The idea that we're gonna share with everybody, everybody's gonna respond, is, is not biblical, actually. That only, at any given time, only 25% of the population is open to hear the good news. 
Okay? Now, it is my job to sow the seed. It is God's job to prepare the soil. Okay? I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prepares the soil and makes it receptive. My job is to just plant seed. But if I'm smart and if I'm strategic, I should not waste soil on hard ground. We used to we say, well, why should I waste the good seed there? I should be planting the maximum amount of seed in the good soil. Now, here's the question. How does God turn hard, resistant soil into good soil? He sends a storm. My goodness. He sends the rain. And the rain takes that hard heart and it softens the soil. It is pain that softens people to the gospel. There's some guy in Pasadena right now who's probably been witnessed to 25 times by friends and neighbors and he's nearly 80 years old or something like that and he's been a hard heart the whole time. But one day his wife's gonna die Hmm. and that's gonna create the crack. Hmm. Okay, and that's when you build the bridge of love between your heart and his and Jesus walks across. That's my definition of evangelism. Build a bridge of love and Jesus just walks across the bridge. So. I'm telling pastors, I'm telling ministry leaders, I'm telling missionaries, if all you do is focus on the 25% of people in pain, you'll build a church. Wow. You don't have to focus. I have not focused on everybody in Orange County. For 42 years, I have sought out people in pain. And I, and I look in the newspaper and I go, oh, that guy just had a scandal. Oh, that guy just had a problem. He just lost a wife. She just lost a baby. And, on, and if you focus on the people in pain, everybody eventually has pain. Yes. Okay. Because, because uh, of um, uh, uh, life is broken, obviously, everybody will eventually, even the hardest person is going to get softened. Mm-hmm. And God's job is to soften it, and our job is to focus on the people in pain. We think about that a lot, Mm. that somebody with a remote in their hand that has tuned in this channel over the last almost 50 years have scoffed most of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's not for me. You have no idea. You have no idea. Right now, Pastor Rick, there could be somebody that just tuned in. Yeah. Their heart is now soft because yeah. of pain. Yeah. Would you lead them to Jesus? Yes, I would. I, I don't know what pain you're going through. Hmm. But I care about it. And I'm sorry for the hurt that you're going through. I, I've had a lot of hurt in my life. Every, everybody has hurt in their lives. And so I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just don't say, I'm sorry, I hurt with you. You know, sympathy is saying, I'm sorry you hurt. Empathy is saying, I hurt with you. Hmm. Compassion is saying, I'll do anything I can to stop your hurt. Hmm. And there's a person in scripture that it says repeatedly, he was moved with compassion. His name is Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Bible says every tear that's fallen from your eyes, God has seen? The Bible says he even collects them in a bottle. It's a metaphorical idea that he never forgets your pain. He never forgets your sorrow. 
He understands. He knows what you're going through. And he not only knows, he cares and he wants to help you. It may be physical pain that you're going through. Your body is racked with pain. Nothing is more difficult to face life than when your body is hurting all the time. It may be a mental um, pain and it's like a claw in your brain and you feel anxiety or fear or anger um, or depression or loneliness. And I want to say to you, you matter to God. And you not only matter to God, you matter to TBN. And you matter to me. You matter to Matt and Lori. That's why we do this. We don't do this for show. We don't do this for money. We do this because people are loved by God. The Bible tells us that God is love. Not that he has love, but that he is love. And you were created as an object of God's love. You were made to be loved by God. You want to know why your heart's beating right now? God made you to love you. There's never been a day in your life that he didn't love you. He will never love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. You can't make God stop loving you because it isn't based on who you are. It's based on who he is. So God's love for you is consistent, perfect, complete, and unconditional. No man will ever love you the way Jesus Christ does. No woman will ever love you the way Jesus Christ does. And all of your life, God has watched every moment. He's seen every up and down, every high and low, every good and bad, and his love has never wavered. But the reason you're watching right now is because a thousand years before you were born, <laughs> God knew you'd be watching. Beautiful. And he wanted to say this to you. You matter to me. You matter to me. I have loved you before you were born. I have seen every day of your life, uh, the successes and the failures. And I've never stopped loving you. And I want you to know me. You were made for a relationship with God not religion, not ritual, not regulations, a relationship with God. And you can have that relationship with him real simple by saying, yes. How, how little do you have to say in order to receive the salvation of God? Just say, yes. <laughs> say yes to God. Say, I, 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 I humbly need you. It doesn't even matter the words you say. What matters is just an attitude of going, I'm tired of living like this. I want to be connected to God. You know, a toaster is made to cook toast. That's its purpose. But if it's not plugged in, it's worthless. It can't fulfill its purpose. A blender a vacuum cleaner. They're, they have a purpose, but they can't fulfill their purpose unless they're plugged in. God has a purpose for your life. And it actually is bigger than your time on earth. The 60, 70, 80, may at the 100 at the most years you get here on earth is really God 
has big plans, long plans for you. He wants you with him forever in eternity. He wants you a part of his forever family. Now to get into a family, you have to either be adopted into it or born into it. And the Bible uses both of those analogies called being born again and being adopted into the family of God. And the Bible says that God has chosen you to be his child. That's why he created you. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. That's why he wants to come into your life and put his spirit of love inside of you. All you got to do is just open up. It's not that difficult. Jesus made it so simple. Nobody could say it was too hard to understand. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer and I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Okay? you don't even have to close your eyes. You can look straight at the screen and I'll look straight at you. So just pray this simple prayer. Just say, dear God, can you just say that in your heart? You don't have to say it aloud. I would encourage you if you're by yourself, just say it aloud. Dear God, as much as I know how, I open my life to your love. I don't understand it all, but I want to be a part of your family. I want to get to know you. I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to love you like you love me. Say, thank you, God, for loving me even when I didn't know it. Thank you for working in my life even when I didn't know it. But from now on, I want to know it. And I want you to be my savior. And I want you to be the manager of my life. I'm going to put on a sign that says under new management, you call the shots. Don't just be resident in me, be president in me. And I will follow you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you really meant it, let me tell you what the Bible says. There's a book in the Bible called Romans. And in chapter 10, verse 13, it says this promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So did you call on the name of the Lord? You said, well, I think I did. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, you certainly did. God keeps his promises. Now, as a brand new member of God's family, you don't understand it all. That's why you need a church home. That's why you need TBN. That's why you need Christian friends. That's why you need to get in a small group. There's so many things. But we can help you get started. And we can send you some material that help you understand your decision. And just like a baby can't be expected to run a marathon, you're not expected to go out and be super saint tomorrow. But guess what? You're changed. And this is the turning point in your life And I just want to offer an invitation to you that one day when we're both in heaven together, come over to my place. We'll spend a thousand years. I'll cook a barbecue and we'll get to know each other, hang out and celebrate the fact that we were both saved by the grace of God. God bless you. Pastor, um, what an amazing 45 minutes we've just experienced here. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the 
getting to talk about the goodness of God, getting to talk about the love of God, what he's done in all of our lives through good and bad mm -hmm. and pain and, and victory mm -hmm. and all the different things, the seasons of our life, mm -hmm. to then get to look into a camera that sends out by satellites and wires all and over. internet and yeah. you know all the different things that happens, yeah. an invitation for people to just step into that love, step into that that person of Jesus to to be with them. What a what a privilege. You know, Matt, I will confess I have an addiction. This will shock everybody. My addiction is I'm addicted to change lives. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful. And all it takes is one change life for me to go, it's worth it. Yeah. Because I've seen marriages put back together. Hmm. I've seen kids get off drugs. I have a guy who was went to life prison for life for a double murder, who's now a pastor on my staff. <laughs> I, 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 the, the grace of God can reach anyone, anywhere, at any time. Nothing else can do that. Yeah. Nothing else can answer the world's problems. When we look around, Corey Ten Boom said it like this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. <laughs> but if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. <laughs> So I've tried to keep my eyes on the Lord all these years. And even though things are going not real good in the world right now, we're not in a happy time in the world right now. We, we, let's just admit that. We're not in a happy time. But I will tell you this, and I'll tell this to everybody there. God will have the last word. Yes, yes he will. And it will be good. Yeah. <laughs> God will have the last word and it will be good. And right now, the two years of pandemic have been creating a spiritual hunger in people that they don't even know what they're looking for. They're just dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're looking for is God. They really don't. This is why it's time for the church to step up, for Christians to not cower yeah. and to hold back, but to be loving yeah. and to be bold yeah. and to be caring and to treat everybody with dignity, no matter who they are or what they've done or how long they've done it or whatever, just to be gracious. Mm -hmm. And if we will be gracious and kind, there will be a great harvest of people who go, I want what you've got. Right. Okay, I want what you've got. And uh, I want to learn how to manage with a peaceful mind when everything's chaos all around me. Yeah. That's our... That's our testimony. You know, don't be weary in well-doing. Yeah. I think, I think the com compassion fatigue, yes. all the stress and yeah. all the strain on yeah. lives and marriages and families and government yeah. and just all of it. Yeah. Don't be weary in well-doing because in due season, and we've been talking about waiting, this time yes. of wait. Yes. The Bible says if you wait on the Lord, yeah. that's the scripture that just kept yeah. coming. Wait on the Lord. What happens when we wait on the yeah. Lord? Yeah. He renews our strength. Amen. The Bible says they will mount up like wings of eagles. Mm -hmm. It is time for the church. Yeah. In this period of waiting, I mean, right. I mean Pastor, yep. the questions at the beginning of all this thing, all through 2020, yeah. you know, and 2021, but yeah. through 2020, it was just yeah. like, what in the 
heck right. is going on? Right. Right? And, right. and Pat, nobody had an answer for it. And it was just this time of just, and then we thought 21 was going to be better. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> right? But, but God promises us that if we wait on the Lord, he's going to renew our strength. So I think looking forward, you are, you know, I could go on and on about your <laughs> legacy and what you have given us. Yeah. In this generation. You're sweet. And to our next generation yeah. and to the older generation, which yeah. you have poured your life, you and Kay both yeah. have poured your life um, into giving, giving of yourself yeah. to us. What God has f flowed yeah. through your lives has left such a legacy through us to yeah. our children. You know, yeah. it flows. I mean, the life giving yeah. water just flows. God has a way of doing that with life giving water. You have given so much into, into the world. And I love you for that. Well, I, I, I love you, Lori, and I love you, Matt. And, I, you know, I know our time's going down, and I, I want to say a word of encouragement to Christians. Please. Please. When what Lori's talking about here is so important. When you're in God's waiting room, there's no alternative but to wait. Yeah. Yeah. To wait on the Lord. What do you do in God's waiting room that gives you resilience? Well, one of them is first, be honest to God about how you feel. Mm -hmm. um, when you pray as a believer and you're feeling down, you're feeling discouraged, tell it to God. God doesn't want to hear what we think we ought to feel. Right. He wants to hear how we feel. So if you're discouraged, you say, God, I'm discouraged. If you're depressed, God, I'm depressed. I'm worried, I'm fearful. Tell whatever you're feeling, what you need to understand is this. The only reason you have feelings is because you're made in God's image. God is an emotional God. Right. If God were not an emotional God, you wouldn't have any emotions. Hmm. The only reason you're able to love is because God is a loving God hmm. and we're made in God's image. But God, the Bible says God gets angry. The Bible says God gets jealous. The Bible says God grieves over his people, that God, uh, uh, you know, his patience is tried mm -hmm. and all the, the, you see all these emotions in God, the Bible says be angry and sin not, which means there's a right way to be angry and a, a wrong way. Right. Any emotion can be misused, but emotions are simply emotions, they're feelings. And actually in your brain, it's a chemical reaction, which means it can't last. So no matter what you're feeling, the highest high on your wedding day or the lowest low when you've lost a loved one, that emotion will not stay. So wow. never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Some of you are feeling like giving up your life right now. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Okay, don't, 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 just don't do it. We need you here. You are loved, you're wanted, you're needed. The Bible says, cry out your heart to God. That's not telling God the pious platitudes that I think he wants to hear. It means saying, God, I'm in the pit right now. And if you need examples, go to Psalms. 
We always think Psalms are about praise and thanksgiving, but 50 of the 150 Psalms are complaints. Yeah. They're Psalms of lament where David says, God, I think you lied to me. God, I don't like you right now. God, I, I'm upset, I'm mad at you. And you know what? Like a parent handling a toddler who's having a fit, God can handle yours. And David ends up going, and, but you know, God, I don't really have anywhere else to go, so you're stuck with me. And, and I'm, I'm ticked off, but he pours out his heart. The emotions that you have felt the last two years, the frustration, don't suppress it. Don't repress it. Confess it and express it to God. When you swallow your emotions, your stomach keeps score. If I don't talk out my emotions to God, I will take them out on my body. Wow. The healthiest thing you can do as a believer is to tell God exactly how you feel and he can handle it because he will never stop loving you. So in your, in your, in your quiet time and in your waiting room, just be honest to God and to get it off your chest. You weren't meant to hold it. When you hold in your emotions, it's like taking a can of Coke and shaking it up and putting it in the freezer. It's gonna explode some sideways at some point. You don't want that. So do what God says. Pour out your heart to God. Tell him exactly how you feel and you will find nothing but love back from him. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.